0: there you are listening to iwg radio the place to be for all of your wellness needs we just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions the lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy Hi everyone, this is Dr. Nicole and welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. So we are going to be talking about this epidemic that I feel like is affecting so many people nowadays. And this is really reflux. And I know reflux has a lot of other interpretations. It could be called GERD. It could be called heartburn. um, It could be even just called burping. So a lot of these different, you know, diagnoses, but even symptoms are all really coming down to the same root cause. Uh, So I want to talk a little bit further about this uh, just because so many of the people coming through my doors, I feel like have some level of irritation that's happening in in this area and they're dealing with either a low level, you know, indigestion, heartburn that they're taking and occasional Tums. Or they're dealing with a chronic reflux or a GERD situation that they've been on anything like Nexium for close to 15 years or more. Uh, So this is something that it definitely has varying levels and it is affecting people in, in different ways. So... Just to clarify, when we're talking about this topic of reflux, there are other names that are associated with it, and that can, again, be GERD, it could be indigestion, it could be heartburn, it could even be gastritis. A lot of these are very similar in the symptoms, and there are, they're just primarily varying degrees and varying frequency, meaning how often they happen. But the longer these go on, untreated or unattended to, they can definitely develop into more serious conditions like ulcers, um, cancer, or even uh, something called Barrett's esophagus, which is changes in the cells of the esophagus. So these are things that can definitely happen over the long term. Um, And you can also start to see migration as well. So if it starts in the stomach... Then it can eventually move into the very early starts of the small intestine called the duodenum, and then more importantly, it can even move into the pancreas. So when you have these diagnoses of, say, you have uh, blood sugar instability, maybe you're hypoglycemic or hyperglycemic, or maybe you're pre-diabetic, but in reality, your diet doesn't necessarily allude to becoming a diabetic. You might be thinking, well, what's going on with my system? You know, how can this happen? And you can actually have the same issues that occurred in the stomach causing your reflux or indigestion that then moved into affecting the pancreas. Because all of these organs that I'm describing, the small intestine, the stomach, as well as the pancreas, are all, first of all, connected, and they're in very, very close proximity. So you will definitely see commonalities with the different problems in those three areas. The other really interesting thing about the duodenum, which is the very early start of the small intestine, is that's actually where you absorb all your B vitamins. So this is really, really significant for that person who is never able to get their B vitamin levels up despite their supplementation uh, and even potentially uh, utilizing IVs or uh, B12 shots. So this is really something that's very significant because you might be trying to fix what you think is a problem, but it's really an effect of other issues. And for those of you that are dealing with a, you're maybe dealing with indigestion, but you're also dealing with a B12 issue, and you know that because you've had testing, you definitely want to check out my podcast called Autoimmune Pernicious Anemia, because that is very, very eye-opening to the process that can happen that can actually affect both the stomach in addition to the absorption of the B vitamins. So I go a little bit more in depth in that specific podcast. So some of the major symptoms, I think this is important to go over because I personally was someone who had uh, gastritis and I really didn't know. I This was told to me through the different lab testing that I do in my practice. Um, specifically, one of our technology is called Bioresonance Scanning and my one of my primary issues in my body was was my stomach it was uh, it kept coming up as gastritis and i was very surprised because i didn't personally feel like i had tons of symptoms in that area But once it was on my radar, I actually started to pay more attention, and I did start to realize that if I ever had any type of like discomfort or cramping in the stomach, it was always near my left rib cage, and that's actually where your stomach is located. Um, I didn't necessarily have tons of like reflux indigestion, but I did have occasional burping, especially with eating the wrong things, like if I ate too much uh, carbohydrates, bread, wheat, things like that. Um... But I also had a lot of um, bloating that was very high up. I would deal with like bloating that would sometimes bother me that would be right below my sternum, like almost in between the rib cage. And that is another sign of having issues in the stomach that potentially have actually even moved into the small intestine as well as the pancreas. So this is definitely just significant for you to, to understand is you're not always going to have tremendous amount of symptoms. Uh, you might have the very occasional indigestion and you would blame it on eating the wrong thing. I'm doing air quotes currently, <laughs> but um, that would maybe cause you to take something like a Tums or a Pepto-Bismol. And then you kind of move on. But usually this becomes more evident when the symptoms are happening with most meals or it's happening on a daily basis and you find yourself constantly grabbing for the Tums or even getting onto something a little bit stronger. So the most interesting aspect of this is that when we have reflux, indigestion, GERD, whatever the case may be, we usually are grabbing for things that are going to lower the stomach acid to relieve our discomfort. And most of the time, it works, and we feel better. And I found this to be really, really interesting when I actually started to understand the mechanisms behind um, reflux and indigestion and and, uh, irritation in the stomach. And it's actually... I would say 95% of the time, the issues stem from a lack of acid. So this might sound really confusing because you take an acid blocker, again, like a Tums or a Pepto-Bismol or or even a Nexium, and it goes away. So how would it make sense that it, it is a lack of acid? So primarily, when you're dealing with the physiology of the body, it's never one-dimensional. It's always more complicated. So your stomach is in charge of producing acid, and the acid is in charge of helping you to not only break down your food, but it's also in charge of warding off any type of pathogens or infections. And you might be thinking, well, like, why would I get infections in that area? So pretty much every time you eat food, it has some level of bacteria And in addition to that, most of the time when you're eating animal products, it includes meat, fish, poultry, uh, in addition to dairy, a lot of our animal product as well as dairy will contain some level of parasite infection in addition to bacteria. So this is not me making this up. This is not my opinion. I know people get very, very confused about the parasite conversation, but Most of us are dealing with some level of parasites. They are very common. If you have pets in your home, you probably have been exposed to parasites. If you eat meat, you've been exposed to parasites. And especially if you eat fish, sushi included, you've been exposed to parasites. I was a pescatarian for about 10 years, uh, meaning I only ate fish. And when I finally did my testing, I had about 23 parasite infections throughout my gastrointestinal system. So this is a person that I personally wasn't like, oh my gosh, doubled over in pain. My stomach is so bad. I'm in agony. Um, I more so actually had the other side of parasite infections, which is mood instability. Um, There's a book that's written. It's called uh, How Parasites Affect My Brain. It's quite interesting. It actually goes through how parasites hijack your behavior and... There is study after study after study that this woman proved her theory that parasites will hijack your behavior. So it's a very, very interesting book. I definitely advise checking it out if it's something that you're interested in, and especially if you're resonating with this conversation about uh, reflux, because again, it's not necessarily just going to be bacterial, it can also be parasitic. And I'm going to go a little bit more into the infections that we can acquire. But getting back to the mechanism is, again, we're thought that this is a high amount of acid an overproduction of acid problem. And it's never on our radar that it could be a lack of acid. So if you are chewing gum that's one thing, and I'll explain why, Um, or you have one of these infections in the stomach, um, you could start to decrease your acid production of your stomach. So if you now have a lack of acid, and there's other components that can decrease your acid. um, Pesticides, unfortunately, are another aspect of it. Um, And also radon. And radon, we used to test for radon in our homes back in the day. We don't really do that much anymore, but it is, if you live in an old home, you would want to test for radon because that's another aspect that can affect the stomach acid. So if you have this lack of acid and you start to eat your food and the food gets into the stomach and now there's not enough acid to actually break it down, then what's going to happen is the food is going to sit And it's going to almost start to decompose. Think about the concept of trash. If you throw a bunch of trash in the garbage, food especially, and it sits for long periods of time, then it starts to decompose and give off this awful odor. So you pretty much have this food. It's sitting in the stomach. It's not being able to be broken down in an effective manner. So now that food actually starts to produce rancid acids. And the rancid acids are actually what give us the irritation, the reflux, the burping, the bad breath. It gives us all of those symptoms. So then you go pop your Tums or your proton pump inhibitor, your Prevacid, your Prilosec, whatever it is, and you immediately feel better. But you're actually creating a worse negative feedback loop. Because as soon as you put in those types of medications, you are actually now further dropping the stomach acid and further debilitating the body's ability to make acid on its own. So this is very, very eye-opening for people because when I start to work with them and I find that their stomach acid is bottomed out, then... We start to kind of work on how we're going to stimulate the acid production. And they're sometimes kind of nervous about that. And once they start doing it, because we don't use anything aggressive, they're like, oh my God, I cannot believe that I'm able to get through a day without taking my Nexium, my Prevacid, my Tums, whatever the case may be. So it really just validates that this is really a lack of acid production that, and my body has a lack of the ability to actually break down the food that I'm eating. So that is just so, so significant because you're able to fix the root cause opposed to palliating the symptoms. So the other layer to this that's really, really important is it's not really just about Uh, the lack of acid production, because it also comes back to, well, why? Why would my stomach have an issue with acid production? And partly that can, again, be the pesticides, the the radon, as well as the chewing gum. But it also can be infections that we acquire through food and, and other types of exposures. So some of the most common things that I find in the stomach is one being called H. pylori, So if you're someone who has been suffering with indigestion, heartburn, you know, you've had to take tons of medications, you've also um, potentially even had ulcers, you really need to get checked for H. pylori. And I say H. pylori because it is very, very common, but there are so many different infections that you can acquire in the stomach outside of H. pylori but this is something that I do find often, and it really creates a lot of issues. It creates tons of inflammation. It starts out with gastritis, and the longer that the H. pylori lives there, it can create a lot more issues. So even for me personally, when I actually tested my stomach, I ended up not just having H. pylori, but I also, in addition, ended up having E. coli in my stomach, as well as salmonella. And those things you feel i feel like you hear about e coli you hear about salmonella and you hear about the extreme cases you hear about the people that were severely ill with you know vomiting diarrhea they had to be hospitalized they were on ivs for fluids cuz they were so dehydrated and that's not always how it manifests. If you have, you end up being exposed to an abundance of this organism and maybe your immune system is down, you can get very, very ill. But if your immune system is functioning decently well and you get exposed to these infections, they can just get into parts of the body and just hang out there and create problems when they have the opportunity to. So having infections is not an uncommon thing. And Every single person will look different. There are other people that can have these infections in their stomach and they could just be in pain. They could be like, oh, my stomach kills me all the time. I always have stomach aches and I feel really nauseous a lot. And then there are other people that are literally having burning reflux, literal heartburn that they feel it all through their chest. And then there's someone like me who had maybe these low grade issues when I ate the wrong thing. So just understand that this can look different across the board, but it's about paying attention to your body and it's about being aware of, are certain foods bothering me? You know, am I having this like low-grade discomfort on my left ribcage side? Am I getting bloated high up on the abdomen, like up between the, the ribcage right below the sternum? It's being conscious of these things so that you can be proactive before they become a bigger problem. So I want to explain the chewing gum thing because when I have someone that has this diagnosis and then I have to tell them to stop chewing gum, they usually get upset because some people, they use it as a stress reliever or an anxiety reliever or it helps them concentrate, you know, whatever it is for them. But I always call chewing gum the boy who cried wolf because as you chew, your stomach starts to produce acid to get ready for food. And when you chew gum and nothing is ever making its way into the stomach, your stomach will initially make the acid. And then it's like, oh, where'd the food go? Why did the food never come in? You do it again the next day. You do it again the next day. And the stomach finally is like, forget this. There's clearly no food coming in. So I'm done. I'm not going to keep producing acid for no reason. So it's like the boy who cried wolf. So your stomach acid production actually kind of, Becomes compromised. I'm not saying I'm going to say it shuts down altogether, but you definitely start to have issues with your stomach producing acid appropriately and especially at the right time. So then you're going to start to notice that you're not digesting your food as well. You might notice the bloating, the irritation, a little bit of nausea, or just noticing that certain foods are just not doing well with your system anymore. So chewing gum can be a huge culprit behind reflux. So if you're someone who has reflux and are chewing gum, maybe switch over to mints because that can be a better alternative. So for those of you listening, I usually do this at the end, but I just want to remind you to, uh, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes. We have so much great content that we're constantly putting out there. And then for those of you that, you know, go through some of our podcasts and are just like, oh my gosh, I have all these issues and nobody has really been able to figure it out, and really looking for a more comprehensive solution, uh, check out our website integratedwellnessgroup.com. Uh, we have tons of information about how we work with patients directly, and we do offer a free 15-minute strategy call that uh, you can do at any time. So please check us out and, um, you know, see how we can help you to move forward and finally get to the bottom of what you're dealing with. So getting back to to this topic, uh, there are some really amazing things out there that you can actually do today to start understanding if your stomach acid is a problem. And uh, I know not everybody loves beets, but... It is called the beet test. So you have to get yourself fresh beets, um, the red beets specifically, not golden beets. So fresh beets, no canned, no juiced beets, no beet juice, nothing nothing along those lines. Um, so if you get yourself some beets, you roast them up and you eat them. Within the f- next few hours after consuming them, if you are urinating pink or red, Well, first of all, if you're urinating red, you have zero stomach acid. If you're urinating pink, you have quite low stomach acid. So if you urinate and it's completely clear, your stomach acid is good. So this is something that's really, really significant because this is just so easy. And this can give you the clarity on do I actually have a stomach acid problem Um, And am I taking these, you know, these Tums or these different types of over-the-counter medications? And am I just making my problem worse potentially? So that test is huge because that can give you the clarity on, okay, should I be actually taking these acid blockers or should I be doing something to stimulate the acid production? So what can you do? So if your test is positive, you have your urine is bright red or your urine is pink. So I am very big on taking an approach that is not going to further debilitate the body and create more of a negative feedback loop. So as an example, there is products out there called betaine, um, betaine um, HCL specifically. Betaine is something that I used to use quite often in order to help people to get their stomach acid levels more appropriate, but also to just help them digest their food better. And If you are someone who's dealing with the urine that you're like, wow, my urine is quite red, you might need betaine temporarily because you're probably not breaking down your food very well, and that could at least assist in that process. But more importantly, using bitters is actually more effective at getting the proper secretions going in the stomach again and actually repairing your stomach's ability to make acid on its own. So obviously, if you're taking bitters, but you continue to chew your gum, that's probably not going to work very well. So bitters is something that they've been used. They actually still to this day, bitters is so common in other cultures. Um, I was just in Europe earlier this year. And I drank like five espressos a day. Interesting enough, I never felt like jittery or, or you know, super buzzed or hyper or anything like that. The quality of their espresso and coffee there is quite different. But uh, regardless, it was actually recommended or advocated that you would have uh, an espresso after every single meal. And that was because the French culture, they really understood that consuming something bitter after dinner actually helps secrete proper amounts of digestive juices. And these bitters are not just going to work in your stomach. They're really going to work throughout your entire digestive tract. So it was just very fascinating to me that there's still just so many Components that are ingrained in their culture that they're still using food as medicine. And we have gotten so far away from that here in the US. And I really appreciated it. And I thought it was of extreme value. And honestly, I did feel amazing there. And there, the food, you know, when you're dealing with food in Europe and the quality of the breads and the pastas and the carbohydrates is very, very different than it is here. So most of the time you can tolerate those foods, even when you have like gluten sensitivity. So it is quite interesting because it really is a reflection of how toxic our food industry is here. But regardless, um, you know, when you're dealing with the bitters, you could be using bitters as a supplement. Uh, You can also be utilizing things like Espresso um, as an after dinner drink, but secondarily, there are, when you go to Italy, there are many, um, they call them digestives, which are the same exact concept. Like Fernet Branca is a very, very, very bitter herbal um, liqueur. And that is something that is very commonly paired with the espresso after dinner because of, again, it's being bitter in nature. So it has the tendency to produce more stomach acid as well as other digestive enzymes that help you to break down your food. So uh, so this is definitely not a foreign concept, but the biggest thing that I'll say is if you are the person who's been on Nexium or other types of uh, proton pump inhibitors for many, many, many years, you might not be able to just utilize bitters. You might also need other types of support, um, some of it being potentially the betaine. Um, some other people do respond to licorice root. Uh, licorice root is more of a soothing component to the actual um, stomach lining. So there are many ways that you can go when you're trying to just have this more natural alternative that you can do on your own. I cannot provide dosages. I know a lot of people ask for that, but Every single person is extremely, extremely different. Um, the best thing that you can do is you can utilize uh, the bitters um, and start with a small dose and work your way up until you feel like most of your symptoms have resolved. Um, personally, the brand that I love is Quicksilver. Quicksilver has two different types of bitters. They come in a pump, so they're really nice because you can kind of cart them out to um, if you're going out to dinner and you just pump them under the underneath the tongue, uh, right directly into the mouth, and they taste pretty good. Um, But they have Bitter X and Bitter Number 9. Bitter X is pretty powerful. It has some very specific agents in it that uh, will actually eradicate infections. So that actually comes to the the secondary part of, of what I was going to recommend to help your symptoms. But if you are someone who has pretty severe reflux and you have, you know, some of that left rib cage cramping and it's been going on a really long time, you really need to get screened to see if you actually have infections in this area. And this can be done through a breath test. This can also be done through stool analysis. And it can also be done through other types of technologies, which we often uh, resort to in our practice called bioresonance scanning, Um, as well as autonomic response testing. so um, And blood work. You can also be running H. pylori antibodies in the blood work. So there's a lot of ways that you can go to get clarity to know, do you actually have an infectious component that is playing a role in your indigestion or reflux? So if you do, um, you really need to be working with a physician in order to eradicate those infections properly. And the one disclaimer that I will make is, If you do get this H. pylori diagnosis, and maybe you also get a diagnosis of something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, you really need to understand that a lot of the information that is on the internet is outdated. It's not necessarily that it was ever wrong, it's just outdated, because they've proven now that this approach to getting rid of H. pylori and getting rid of what you call SIBO is, you know, no sugar, no carbohydrates, don't do anything to feed these organisms. And you go on this really, really extended, you know, strict diet, and you have to take all of these antibiotics to get rid of these infections. And it doesn't work. And I can say that comfortably, because I'm usually dealing with the patients that are They've been doing it for three months, six months. I've had one person that did the strict diet and the antibiotics for two years and still had active H. pylori in her system. So a lot of the organisms nowadays that we've been exposed to are antibiotic resistant, and it's primarily just because we use antibiotics for everything, and these bugs are learning how to surpass it. And secondarily is when you when you try to... Eradicate out the food that these organisms live off of, which is primarily sugar, they will hide. And then, whatever you're taking, if it's natural supplements to kill them or antibiotics, cannot get to them because they are burrowed in tissue or hiding out. So, this is just really important of working with an integrative physician that knows what they're doing so that you can help to resolve this problem within a few weeks opposed to a few months to even a few years. So I always say it's all about strategy. Strategy is so, so, so important when it comes to... Helping to relieve people of their symptoms because it's usually not one thing. I wish that I could say, just go take this antibiotic and everything is going to be great, but it's usually not how it works. Um, The body is very complex. You know, you're dealing with getting rid of an infection, you're dealing with having to help to support the production uh, or the reproduction of the stomach acid, and then you're also maybe considering has the issues in the stomach moved into the small intestine? Has it moved into the mouth? And now you're dealing with uh, gum issues, receding gum line, uh, bleeding gums, or even has it gotten into the tonsils? So sometimes when you have things for long periods of time, it can move and affect the surrounding areas. So really the biggest thing that I'm driving home is work with an integrated physician in order to get to the bottom of it, and also to prevent you from being on this really, really long path that you don't see success at the end of, because I do see that very, very commonly. So if you are looking for someone to work with local to the area, um, check out our website again, integrativewellnessgroup.com, and we do do free 15-minute strategy calls so you can learn a little bit more about how we work directly with our patients. And again, Check us out on iTunes if you're listening to us on Podbean because you can download the app and subscribe to us and always be updated as to when we are posting new podcasts. So I thank you for listening and I hope this was extremely helpful. Don't forget to do your beat test to check on your stomach acid um, and get that clarity so that you can get yourself on on the right path. Okay, guys, I will see you next week.